This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Accessing Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. Dropping the beat. Downloading Sean. My name is Sean Ray, and I don't know why people hate Nickelback. If you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Downloading John. The, like, the one benefit to uh, getting fat is that I don't have to iron my clothes as much. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Downloading Rick. Did you know that elephants are made entirely out of Rocky Road ice cream? Who's scruffy looking? Accessing guest files. NCC1701. No bloody A. Joni loves Shachi is the epitome. You beat me to it, you bastard. B. Uh, I wasn't listening. Sorry. Oh, good boy. <laughs> C. I've never felt more like a northerner than I do right now. <laughs> or D. If you're wondering how this is going to play out, just watch A Bug's Life. It's basically the same plot. Opening theme and inputting narration. Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. We've got you covered with everything from Marvel to Star Wars. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Classic films, trivia games, and beyond. He's looking at you, kid. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and SoundCloud. You filthy criminals. Contact us on Facebook and Twitter, or send us a voicemail or text message to 205-642-8380. Captain, incoming message. And you can always visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Now, on with the show. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast, the show that tells you that if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for life. If you teach a man to Google, you'll never have to teach him to fish in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Sean Ray, and sitting across the virtual table from me is John Irons. How are you, sir? I am well. And joining us from the great state of Florida is Rick. How are you? I don't like to fish. (laughs) (laughs) And back with us once again is Virginia. How are you? Hello from the Lone Star State. We're going to talk about the perfect movie in this episode. So this is something that John wanted to talk about for a while. So John, what is the criteria for a perfect movie? Hmm. Um. You probably should have asked me that before right now. So we would... <laughs> <laughs> um, No, quick. I, I have to make my list. Yeah. <laughs> I, for, I, I didn't want to define it, actually. Um, and and um, I'll, I'll give a, a, a shout out to uh, uh, the, the Millennial Falcon podcast. Um, I, yeah, I, did, I, had this, I had this idea. And apparently when I, they, they recorded and released their perfect movie episode um, this week. 
and apparently it's a it's a it was a thing on Twitter, and I I guess it's been going. I don't really go on Twitter very much, um, so just for the record, I didn't get, I didn't get it from Twitter, um, <laughs> but I, I look forward to reading and seeing what their what their choices were. Um, I I guess that I didn't want to define it. I figured everyone could define it for themselves. Um, and I picked my movies before I really thought about why. Um, but I, I realized that recording time was coming up soon and I should probably have something to say. <laughs> so, so this is kind of the, the, the kind of quick jotted criteria that I, I think I had in mind. Um, for me, a perfect movie is... Um, I'm, I'm, I have an art background. I have, I, have a, I have a fine arts background. And I guess I look at a movie as a piece of art. And to me, a perfect movie achieves what I think the filmmakers wanted to achieve. So if you're trying to do, you know, slapstick comedy and you nail it, then it's a perfect movie, even if it's not very smart or highbrow or even that well acted. Um, that doesn't make it perfect. That just means you meant you did what you meant to do. So that I guess for me is kind of the foundation of what makes a perfect movie. First of all, like what are you trying to accomplish? And if it's a perfect movie, you should be able to convey that. Like I should know as an audience member what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I should be able to see how well you did it. And then everything else is just kind of the technical, you know, making the acting good, making the writing good, making you know the, the cinematography good. That's kind of the icing on the cake. But I, I try to and I, and I think when I've given movie reviews before, this is kind of my main thing. You have to be true to the rules of your universe. Um, and I guess it's kind of it's just an extension of that. You have to be true to the vision of your world and your world is this movie. So a perfect movie, it's the target that it's aiming for. I wouldn't say that there's one target. Like the, a perfect comedy has different needs and different goals than a perfect drama or a perfect adventure. Um, so some of the movies on my list aren't perfect in the sense that they do everything perfectly. They're perfect in the sense that they accomplish their goal and they exceed expectations in doing so. Yeah, so we're not necessarily talking about our favorite movies uh, because, well, I mean, if it's perfect enough, then it's probably going to be on your list of some of your favorite movies anyway, but, you know. I was honestly surprised that a couple of movies that are my favorite movies, I would not like that, I just couldn't put them on the list. I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The 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 one thing that I kept going back to is if it's a movie that can stand alone. Um, that's there's not any sequels on my list, and that's because they depend on other material uh, for you to know what's going on, and that in in my opinion makes it a little imperfect. You know, if you can't go in not knowing anything about the about this universe and sit down and watch this movie, and Empire, 
<clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. See, that? Empire Strikes Back is one of my favorite movies, but it's not perfect because you have to have seen Star Wars. Now, Star Wars is a good example because I think it does stand alone. The the first one, but it's on my list. But <laughs> you gotta have Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll go around the virtual circle here. I think we'll I think we'll do ladies first. We'll let Virginia go first. Okay. Um. Well, the first well, one. Well, hang on. I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt, but that was just my definition. That was like my criteria. Like. I'd... Okay. Well, why don't you go first, please? Then. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want. I'm not trying to go first. I just. I don't want like. I, I mean, I presume that everyone would tell their criteria. Oh, I see. Yeah, because I did not use that. That is not my criterion for or my great. I had different um, views. Yeah, could <laughs> I tell yeah. you what I picked and then why I picked it? There are no rules. There's no different... rules. There's one rule. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that little Caesar's commercial <laughs> where he takes his no shirt. Spoon. He takes his shirt off. He said, "There's no rules." Take the shirt off, and the guy says, "Put your shirt back on." There's one rule. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry too. Okay, My wife the, is making uh, snarky comments from the other room. No comments from the peanut gallery. Thank you. Go ahead, Virginia. I'm sorry. <laughs> you you get used to this stuff after a while. <laughs> well, the first one that immediately came to mind is A League of Their Own, which um, I don't know if all of you have seen it. I don't know if all of oh, your yeah. audience has seen it. That almost made my list, actually. Um, yeah, it's about, uh, the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League during the World War II era, and I think it's perfect for, like, a number of reasons, um, mainly because it's, well, according to the, to the women who were actually in the actual league, that it is historically accurate, like, a lot of the things that happen actually happen, which... I love movies that are historically accurate, and when I see movies that are not, I tend to yell at them. <laughs> and so, so I really love this movie. Um, it shows like um, the real struggles that women had to be like respected in um, in the sports, and I mean it still happens now too. Um, and it passes the Bechtel test, which is awesome. And the Bechtel test, if you don't know, is when there are two named female characters who talk to each other about something other than a man. Mm-hmm. So this is all women all the time. Well, and Tom Hanks, um, <laughs> who's awesome, by the way. And um, there's, um, let's see, what is, oh, the injuries that they sustain are all real. Like there's one where she, one of the players slides into third and there, she just has this gigantic bruise on her thigh, all real, all of their broken fingers. And so I'm like, it's so true to the actual like sport and what happened and you get no crying in baseball. So it's just a win-win all the way around. I think one of my favorite movie quotes, there's no crying in baseball. My wife loves that movie. She's a she was in high school. She was a, a state championship level softball player. And, oh wow, that's awesome! Yeah, and so she, so 
if that movie comes on TV, if we're surfing the channels and, and it's on, it stops. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. Whenever whenever I see on Twitter, like, sports type people are like, name your – or they have, like, polls. Name your favorite baseball movie, and it's always, like, major league and stuff. And always people are responding, where's a league of their own? That's obviously the best sports movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, who wants to go next? Rick? Sure. Um, my, my criteria for the perfect film is a movie where uh, it stands up to multiple viewings. Um, I <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. I don't disagree with John's uh, assessment that it's got to be a movie that conveys what it is trying to convey in a single viewing. That doesn't mean that you can't glean more from multiple viewings, but uh, and I, I've I've said this on multiple shows and I think i might have said that on this show if you have to do homework or read something in a comic book or online or something like that to understand a film then in my opinion it's a failure Mm -hmm. and that applies to to stage plays too i i I think that stuff is is bs um if you cannot convey what you are seeking to convey in the medium you're using in the viewing of one time because that is the majority of most people don't see movies more than once. You know, you need to have you need to get your point across in the single viewing. Right. Uh, there can be nuanced stuff that's conveyed in multiple viewings, but the main point has to. So I totally agree with that. Um, uh, I've got several, <laughs> and I'm gonna. This may come as a shock to folks, but this is I'm going back in time. Uh, I'm going to start with my I'm going to do these in chronological order ish. Uh, and my first one is The Day the Earth Stood Still, the original. No freaking Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is uh, it, it is, you know, not by a long shot, the first science fiction film, but it's probably the first science fiction film that was taken seriously. Uh, that was it, it for its time, 1953, um, or no, 51. Sorry, it was uh, yeah, 51. It had a, a significant budget. Um, it set, you know, if you watch it now, it may feel like you know, oh, they're doing this trope or that trope. This is where those tropes came from. You know, this was the first time we saw we heard the theremin in a science fiction mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, soundtrack. Um, it's, you know, it, it it it's a different time. So you're like, you're really letting your kid go off with this guy you just met yesterday. All right, um, but it's it's a brilliant film, and there's no ray battle, ray gun battles. There's no green monsters. That, well, there is one giant robot, but he's pretty cool. Um, uh, it just it's. There is not a frame of that film that is not compelling, that is unnecessary, that is out of place. It is a, it is beautifully acted. The choreography is gorgeous. Uh, everything about that film just works. And I think that it's a classic for a reason. Sometimes things become classics because, uh, you know, it's so bad it's good. You know, Plan 9 from Outer Space, stuff like that. That's not the case here. The Day the Earth Stood Still is a bona fide gem of a film and is number one in my list i've never seen it <laughs> i'm gone I, am- <laughs> I think it's i think it's streaming on something right now like netflix or hulu i can't remember which one but i'll i saw it the other day and was like I oh i need to i need yeah. to watch that again i'm trying to go back and watch some older uh classic films 
So maybe I'll get around to that. I ha- I mean, I have seen the Keanu Reeves version. And I saw the... Uh... I am so out of here. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Keanu Reeves version was not unwatchable. <laughs> but yes, it, it is. There are some things that I feel like it kind of it almost does better than the original, but it is by far not as good a film as the original. The original film is great. Yeah. All right, John, you want to go next? Um, sure. Um, <laughs> just to spite you, Sean, my first one will be a sequel. <laughs> it's not perfect. Uh, oh, but it is. Because um, you know, and to kind of piggyback on what, what Rick was saying, you're right. You should be able to get everything in one viewing. And anything, any comic books or sequels or or whatever bonus scenes should not be necessary to explain it, but they should enhance the the the, the experience. Yeah, yeah. If you look at Toy Story 3, it stands on its own. And if you happen to have seen Toy Stories 1 and 2, it only makes it that much more pleasurable. But I don't think you need to see Toy Story 1 or 2 to get Toy Story 3. You might you won't feel it the same, but you'll still feel it. Um Toy Story 2 in my opinion is it's okay. Toy Story 1 is great. Toy Story 3 is perfect because I can, aside from, you know, I mean, it's Pixar, so it's going to look good. Um, I should just say Pixar is perfect, but um, <laughs> that, you know, that even if you aren't familiar with these characters from the, from just viewing this film, you know, the characters and every one of them, you, you can relate to every one of them. You can see Woody's point of view. You can see um, the other toys' point of view. You can see the kids' point of view. You can, hell, you can even see, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Lasso, the, 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 the berry bear. Mm-hmm. Like, you get it. And it is this, it weaves this beautiful, um, it, it navigates these rivulets between um, drama and comedy and action even and and like it it all works it all works and the fact that it is the conclusion to this you know decades-long arc and you and if you do go back and you watch them and you actually see the kid growing up it makes the impact of this one um so much more powerful i mean i I will still cry at this. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that movie wrecked me. I I went to see it in the theater. Um, the 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 first Toy Story came out the same year that my son was born, so he watched it a lot when he was a kid. Toy Story two came out when he was like three four years old, something like that. So obviously we watched that film a thousand times, and uh, and so when I went to the theater to see this film with him as a teenager and he's getting to the age where he doesn't want to play with his toys anymore and all that kind of stuff. And I'm watching these characters that he grew up with and yeah. And, and, and the scene at the end and the, in the, the oven thing and all that was, uh, 
was yeah it 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 wrecked me and then but one twisted thing about that movie is that they released the lots of hugging bear um as a as like a teddy bear that smells like strawberries and stuff but little kids that had not seen the movie they're giving them this bear as a teddy bear that they're hugging on and they're and they're sleeping in the bed with it i'm like that's the villain (laughs) you're hugging the villain he he tried to kill Woody and Buzz. <laughs> he, he's a villain, but you understand how he got there. He's a complicated villain. He didn't yeah, start yeah. off. Um, and again, you know, it's not. It, it would have been easy enough to to. Oh, what was the the girl from uh, Finding Nemo? She's just bad and like, yeah. Uh, anyway, I mean, I don't want to go from Finding Nemo tangent. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and 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 I also agree with you, Rick. I didn't I didn't list this in my criteria at the beginning, but yeah, it has to stand up to multiple viewings, to, and it, it's almost it's. There are some films that if I happen to be scrolling through the channels and it's on, I gotta watch it. Um, like like you said, A League of Their Own is for you, Sean. Uh, I think all of the stories on my list. Um, that's the criteria for them too. So that's my first pick. Okay. Uh, my first one, I'm going to go ahead and get this one out of the way because you guys are probably not going to agree with me, but, uh, <laughs> uh, it's the Godfather. And, uh, we've talked about it on the show. It's a divisive movie among us. Some of us love it. Rick hates it, but <laughs> I don't hate it. I just didn't. It just, I dig why people like it. I just, it's not for me. Yeah, it's so long. Oh yeah, it's long. It's long. <laughs> it's even it's even longer when you add in the other two films. <laughs> but uh, it's a, you know, the gangster movie has been part of like American cinema since since movies, you know. And uh, when The Godfather came along, it kind of became the most famous gangster movie. And now it's the one that all the other ones kind of want to pretend to be, you know. It's, where the Sopranos kind of came from and, and stuff like that. But uh, what what I said before, a perfect movie needs to be self-reliant. And that's why none of, none of my films are sequels. Now, I, I mean, I, I can see where you come from with Toy Story 3 and everything. But The Godfather doesn't depend on pre-existing material for you to be able to enjoy it. Uh, the second one does. And I actually, it's weird because I actually think The Godfather Part 2 is a better movie but it's a less perfect movie because it depends on the first movie for you to be able to enjoy it. But so there's a I, go so ahead. If I, uh, if I saw, <clears throat> excuse me, if I saw Godfather two without seeing Godfather one, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't get it. I mean, you might catch on, but th- all those characters are introduced in the first movie and, and they go through so much in the first movie that, and there's going to be references to characters that died in the first movie. You know that you that aren't even in the second one, and you won't know who they're talking about, or any of that stuff. Um, there's a there's a very big character arc with Michael, which is Al Pacino's character. At the beginning of the movie, he wants nothing to do with his father's business, but by the end of it, he is the Godfather. He is he is Don Corleone. That's the the title of the movie refers to Al Pacino's character. A lot of people think that they're that it's referring to uh, Marlon Brando's character, but it's not. It's referring to Al Pacino's character. 
and uh, the progression to that event is steady enough to be believable. It's not like a big jump towards the end where it, it just has to happen because of plot. You know, they, it naturally progresses to that point, which is a lot of the reason why the movie is so long. It's, it's about three hours long, but and it's an ensemble movie, but everybody gets a chance to shine in it. There's so many performances that are great. There's even like a, the character Luca Brasi. Um, he only has maybe four lines in the whole movie, but he's one of the most memorable characters in the movie. Uh, Dear Hollywood, don't remake this movie. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it's it's fine just the way it is. Uh, but yeah, The Godfather, in my opinion, is a uh, is a perfect movie. I I don't disagree with you. I I'd, I'd like to clarify that. I th- I I okay. For those of you that don't know, and I may have mentioned it uh, before, um, I watched The Godfather as a as part of a bet. <laughs> um, there was a a, a, a guy, a, a young gentleman on on uh, on a forum who had never seen a Star Trek movie, and I had never seen The Godfather. And everybody was like, "Oh my God, how could you have never seen The Godfather?" I'm like, "Well, not my not my thing." Uh, you know, my brother made me watch Goodfellas once, and I did hate that movie. Um, <laughs> But he was like, all right, I tell you what, I'll watch a Star Trek movie and you watch The Godfather. And I was like, all right, if, if it'll get you to watch Star Trek. And now he's a Star Trek fan, so I win. <laughs> but, so I watched The Godfather for the first time about, let's see, Sharon Seven, probably like eight or nine years ago. Um, and while I, you know, I could appreciate the craft of the film. It is, and I don't disagree with you, it is a perfect film. I just despised everybody in it and couldn't care less what happened to them. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that, for me, it didn't work. But I can, you know, I can, I can see why people like gangster movies because they're, you know, they, they do what they want and, you know, with, with little or no cir- uh, 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 repercussions until someone puts a bullet in their heads. Um, you know, take the cannoli, uh, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. even, you know, even I can't, I, we, my, my wife loves cannolis and I cannot say we can't have cannolis without me saying, you know, leave the gun, take the cannoli. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I understand that a lot of people like gangster movies and gangster genre. I don't, but that, you know, I can appreciate the craft of the Godfather. It is an incredibly well-made film. Everybody does a magnificent job except Brando, but then I'm that heretic who thinks Brando's way overrated, um, yeah. especially later in his career. But uh, yeah, it, there, uh, I I do not think that you are wrong for placing that in a, a, as a perfect movie. Yeah, it's kind of like the way I was. My grandfather loved westerns when I was growing up, and I never saw the appeal of western. Even though, like, just like I said with with gangster movies, westerns are a big part of American cinema. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, it's our thing, except for the Sergio Leone <laughs> spaghetti <laughs> westerns, but still. But uh, but you know, there are. I have seen a couple of of westerns that are great movies. You know, so I can see, you know, where where why people like things like that. And I'm the way I'm that way with, with gangster movies. I like, I loved the Sopranos, even though you know, I, I did a rewatch of the Sopranos not too long ago. And I saw a lot of flaws in it. I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember that. That's kind of bad, you know? <laughs> but, but, uh, but overall, you know, that kind of stuff just, I don't know. appeals to, it's not like, but I'm not like, I want to be a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to join the mob. No, I don't. I'd rather live my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's exactly what you would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Virginia, go ahead with your next one. Well, speaking of movies that shouldn't be remade, I'm going to go with Casablanca. Hmm. Mm. That was on the Millennial uh, Falcon list, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I... I think this movie is perfect. Again, this is um, like one of those historically accurate things where there's a big scene in the um, in Rick's bar where the Germans are doing their German drinking song or whatever, and so um, the one of the main characters instructs the band to do to play the uh, La Marseille or whatever. And so they're all like singing and all of these people are starting to cry. And those were all like actual refugees from like Nazi Germany and stuff and all acting as extras in the movie. And it was all like realistic and everything. So I guess we're like, like John, you were saying you come from an art background. I guess I'm like the history background here. where I'm like, I love everything to be accurate. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's like, um, also, again, like the no crying in baseball, you get so many quotes from Casablanca. Oh, my God. So many like here's looking at you, kid, or play it again, Sam, or um, um, just a bunch of different ones. Yeah. So that's mm, that. I think that's why I think it's perfect they show it every year. We have the Alabama theater, which is like this old time theater here in Birmingham, and they show it. Every summer, it's like the first film that they show as part of their summer movie series. I don't go every year, but every other year or so, you know, we'll go and watch. The last time I went, I took my daughter, and at the time she was, say, she's 16 now, so she was probably 13 or 14 last time. And we get about halfway through the movie, and she's kind of fidgeting and moving around and kind of talking to her brother. and And I look over and I said, "Do you have any idea what's happening?" No. <laughs> okay well thank you for being honest <laughs> i know that i've seen the movie but i can't remember a, a thing about it i really need to watch it again i saw it like probably 30 years ago easily you would love it Rick. You, that, that movie. I, I know i know i i know i you know it's one of those movies that i know i watched and i liked uh but i can't remember anything about it because it was so long ago and it's behind a Kind of a marijuana fog. (laughs) (laughs) They also made a uh, they made a sequel to it that was like a TV movie that came on in the late seventies, I think. And Uh, of course, uh, I mean, of course, it wasn't Bogart, but um, it was uh, it was actually supposed to. (laughs) It's this weird thing that they do for TV. It was supposed to be the pilot to a TV series. They were going to make a TV series of (laughs) Casablanca. It didn't take off. Uh, let me let me ask you guys something because um, I think Virginia, for both of yours, you had said basically like um, uh, like, like kind of the behind the scenes or the, or the making of the film kind of thing, like uh-huh. the, the actual refugees and, and the bruises were real. And and again, I you know not to keep referencing it, but but on the Millennial Falcon, they a lot of their when they talked about the movie, they talked about. Um, the same kind of thing, like kind of the the story behind the making of the movie. And I was wondering if that, if that, if you take that into account, I guess, like if the, if the story behind it makes it more uh, satisfying. 
Oh, absolutely. I think so. Um, yeah, like, if I if I enjoy a movie and then I find out stuff, like, I enjoyed it League of Their Own when I was 11 years old because I had been playing softball for, like, six years by that point because I started when I was a little, little, tiny little Virginia. Um, <laughs> and um, so I... I loved it as a kid and I would watch it all the time. Well, and then as I got older and I learned all of this stuff, I just, I just loved it even more. So, um, I do like, I guess I do take it into account for the purposes of what we're doing right now. Um, mm -hmm. but I guess I like just in general, I grow to love like movies more often if I know what, if I know the stories behind them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I do that a lot too. When I want, especially older movies like that, and I go and watch, uh, I go and read like the Wikipedia article about it, and if there's any uh, documentaries about it or something like that, and watch that. It it the next time I watch the movie, it makes it a little bit more of a richer experience because you know some of the behind the scenes stuff, and it and a lot of times for me it's stupid stuff like the I don't I know you guys have seen the film uh, It's a Wonderful Life, but there's a scene. <laughs> Where um, Jimmy Stewart's uncle walks off scene, and you hear yes, this loud I love crash. This one. Yeah, you hear this loud crash, and in your mind you think, "Oh well, he just he's because he's drunk in the scene. He just stepped into a bunch of garbage cans or whatever." But what actually happened is he walked off scene, and then somebody off camera like dropped a whole bunch of stuff at that exact second. But then <laughs> they kept it in the movie because he hollers from off screen. I'm all right, you know, <laughs> and made it and made it a funny scene, you know. So knowing things like that makes it, it makes it a little more fun for me, I think. All right, who was next, Rick? Rick. Okay, uh, moving forward in time from from the day the Earth stood still into a different genre. Um, this is a film that I have said for years. If uh, if I were to ever teach a a class on cinematic comedy this would be the textbook and it's young frankenstein mm -hmm. um mel brooks is a genius that is that is undeniable um but not all of his films work all the time um <clears throat> excuse me a couple uh, a few years ago i was in in walmart and found uh, robin hood men in tights in the we can't give this shit away bin <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I was like, all right, five bucks, Men in Tights. I loved this movie. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this was so awful. Um, but Young Frankenstein uh, is is just it's a gem. I mean, the the a lot of people like to think say or not like to think a lot of people say that Blazing Saddles is Mel Brooks's best movie. I disagree. I think Blazing Saddles is brilliant. Uh it is just a hair below Young Frankenstein, in my opinion. But there are a few scenes in Blazing Saddles that don't work. There are, th there, there are a few things that are just really reliant on you understanding the vaudeville and Borscht Belt comedy origins of Mel Brooks's humor mm -hmm. uh, to get. Um, and Young Frankenstein doesn't rely on anything like that. Every frame in this film is brilliant. Gene Wilder as Dr. Frankenstein is, <laughs> is just comic gold. 
uh, you know, and the entire cast, Madeline Kahn and Cloris Leachman and Terry Garr and Marty Feldman, uh, you know, there there is not a bad performance in this movie. And if, like me, you're a fan of old style, you know, old time horror films, Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the mummy, all of that stuff. I loved all of those things as a kid. I still love them. And this movie is such a beautiful spoof of them without, uh, without crapping on the genre, without making fun of it. Well, it, it's a, it's, it beautifully encapsulates all that's great about those early black and white. And, and it's even in black and white. It was shot in 1972 or three or something, but they shot it in black and white. Um, to to at, to further honor the the movies it's it's satirizing without crapping on the on the the source material. It doesn't it doesn't uh, um, make fun of the source material. It just makes a funny movie inside the universe of the source material. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I just I love that film so much, and I can watch it over and over and over and over again. And you know, there's there's just there's not a bad scene in it, and and every time I watch it, and I've seen it dozens of times, there's always something. You know, you know, you take the blonde, they'll take the one in the turban. It's just there's it's so quotable, and you know, if there's there's a on on the DVD, uh, the, it's like the twenty the twenty fifth anniversary DVD or something. There's a bunch of outtakes, and it it just looks like they had so much fun on the set, and there's a wonderful story. Because everyone thinks of this as a Mel Brooks film, and it is a Mel Brooks film, but Gene Wilder wrote it. Yeah. And Mel Brooks, he Gene went to Mel Brooks. Now they had they had been working together for a few years. They'd done the producers and a couple other movies. And uh, Gene says, "Mel, I've got this movie that I want to do," and Mel, <laughs> Mel Brooks made him pitch it for like two hours, and he says. At the end of that two hours, he's like, "I, you know, I, you had me sold within five minutes. I just wanted to see how how devoted you were to it." <laughs> uh, it's just, it's a brilliant film. And if you look at the outtakes, you see that that, like with uh, with Star Wars, uh, A New Hope, and a lot of other films uh, that may show up on our list. If you look at some of the deleted scenes, or you see the original uh, uh, scripts or ideas or, or plot lines, um. It could have so easily been terrible. <laughs> uh, you know, there were there were intentions and ideas and 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 plans that were just it would have made such an awful film, and they eventually pared it down to this beautiful, to me, perfect comedy. Yeah, and I think I read somewhere that the studio tried to trick Mel Brooks into making it a color movie. Because um, he wanted to do it in black and white from the very beginning. And the studio was like, well, that kind of black and they They told him like that kind of black and white is expensive or something. It'd be cheaper to just go ahead and film it in color and we'll just we'll just make it in black and white post or something like that. And Mel Brooks is like, <laughs> Mel Brooks is like, do you think I'm stupid? <laughs> You're just going to release it in color. <laughs> you know? But okay. All right. John, what's it? One other thing really, really quickly. Yeah, go ahead. All, all of the equipment in Frankenstein's lab is the they it's uh the original stuff from the original 1930 whatever movie. They found oh, a guy. Really? They found a guy who had who had rescued it from like a trash heap. 
they were going to just throw it all away. And he saved all this stuff and they found him. And it's, it's all the original laboratory equipment, all the sparking and the, and the, the Jacob's ladders and all of that stuff. Yeah. It's amazing how much of that stuff from those old movies, cause they didn't know that, you know, a hundred years later or 50 years later, people yeah. were going to pay top dollar for that kind of stuff. So they just threw all that stuff away when they got done making the movie. And now, you know, people are making replicas of it because you can't find the <laughs> yeah. find the original <laughs> stuff. So we'll return after these messages. Hey, you listener. Do I have everybody's attention now? Do you like professional wrestling? What? If so, you'll love Review Mania, where Rob and Zach break down every WrestleMania. You'll hear about great epic matches by the likes of Hulk Hogan. And what's it gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world run wild on you? Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah! Ric Flair. Just stealing! Woo! Wheeling, dealing! Limousine right! Jet flying! Bret Hart. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Shawn Michaels. Bret Hart, you are a zero, my hero. John Cena. The champ is here! Brock Lesnar. Suplex City, bitch. And so many more that I don't have time to even name. Check out Review Mania right here on CosmicPotato.com. Or on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spreaker. It's a happening right here on CosmicPotato.com. Arriba! Hey everybody, I'm Troy. And I'm AJ. And we're the hosts of the World War G podcast. And we know Sean and John do great things, but if you need just that little bit more nerd in your life, a little bit more geek in your week, then head on over to worldwarg.podbean.com, where we talk about everything from movies and television, comic books and video games. Check us out at worldwarg.podbean.com. Back to you, Sean. everybody, this is Ming Shen from Ancy's Comic Book Men. My favorite podcast. Even better than my own. Even better than all of Kevin's. Even better than that Mark Marin guy or that Joe Rogan or the Nerdist. Screw all of them. It's all about Cosmic Potato, everybody. Listen, love it, and then listen again. Okay. Go ahead, John. What's your next one? Um, I'm going to... I realized as I uh, looked over my list this afternoon that um they all looked kind of silly so i, I <laughs> <laughs> almost spaced it out with with some with some drama so my next one is um the usual suspects oh oh not so politically correct anymore no, no. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the movie's fault right um and <laughs> Without saying specifically to what you may be referring, let me just say everyone gives an amazing performance. 
Yes. Uh, uh, you know, it's an, it's an ensemble cast and, and nobody drops the ball. And this film is so perfectly crafted. It, it takes you from A to B to C and it tells you what it's doing the whole way. And you're still surprised at the end. Um, like it tells you at the beginning, he's not in there, but Oh wait, he's not in there. Um, this is this is a movie that, you know, a lot of times we talk about film and, and I'm sorry for, for hijacking, but I just want to yeah, as a parenthetical. A lot of times we say, you know, like this movie's 30 years old. We're going to spoil it. You don't want to spoil this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, I, I should remember who the director was because it was like their, their big splash debut. Um, but I don't. <laughs> but you know he did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't suck. <laughs> um, it was Brian Singer. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was. it was. Before wow. he started making superhero movies, before he started ruining superhero movies. <laughs> well, he did, he did the first X Men, and that and that was, yeah, you know, kind of solidified him. Oh, um, that's true. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like there's no, there is no flaw <laughs> there's no flaw in this film well there there is one but, i still don't know what the hell benicio del toro said in that movie <laughs> that's not a flaw <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect that was perfect <laughs> because the other characters didn't know what the hell he was saying that it worked <laughs> um yeah like we get we got a lot to go through but yeah that that is the usual suspects hold stands up to me yeah, good choice. Very good and choice. That, um, and the usual suspects comes from that title comes from a quote in Casablanca, which I thought was that's funny. true. Round up yeah. the usual suspects. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, I I don't I don't want to get into a big rant or whatever, but I'm so angry at Kevin Spacey because he was one of my favorite actors, and now he's ruined so many of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't go back and watch him without just being angry. <laughs> I, I can't say that I will watch that film again or if I if I do that like I won't like that won't be in my mind as I watch it. Yeah. But the memory of that film is enough for me to to put it on the list. Okay. Well, my next one is The Incredibles. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Because well, I mean, you can chime in. It's a it's a wonderful story. It's got great visuals. Disney proved that they can make movies for adults that are just as good as the movies that they make for kids. Because this movie is as much for adults as it, as it ever was for kids, and it's the best version of the Fantastic Four ever made. Uh, <laughs> the the story has a lot of heart. Uh, if you have kids, uh, it'll make you choke up a few times. The character dynamic is so strong in in the in just one movie that you feel like you've been watching these characters in like a series of movies for years. The family bond is palpable. That's a big word for me. But the thing <laughs> the thing that I like about this movie uh, the most is the fact that it's it's very appropriate for children, but it's not boring for adults. I mean, not boring at all. Like I I would go mm-hmm. see this without my kids. Um, I did. <laughs> yeah. I saw it's, this movie before I had kids. 
this is a uh, it shows a side of superheroes that you don't get to see very much. Uh, like how do you go back to living a normal life after you've been a famous superhero? How would kids with superpowers deal with everyday life? Is it mm-hmm. cheating to use your natural abilities in sports? That kind of stuff. Uh, I think that everything that happened in the movie happened exactly the way it should have. It's it's not like one of those films where you say, I really liked it, but I didn't care for the end. Or, you know, it kind of dragged yeah. in the middle or something like that. It's, it's pretty close to perfect. And I've got to say, and I, t- I said this to my wife earlier, and um, I think I'm looking forward to Incredibles 2 more than I'm looking forward to Avengers or Solo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said that I said that a few weeks ago, and, uh, yes. and, and for that, just full disclosure, I have not, uh, I have not watched a trailer for Avengers since like the end of last year. So, um, so like the most that I'll see is uh, like there'll be memes on Facebook. I just scroll past them. That's like as far as. I actually did the ears, fingers in my ears, la 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 in the theater <laughs> um, when I went to see um, uh, *Wrinkle in Time*. But yeah, if I can, if I can uh, piggyback on the yeah. what you're saying, um, yeah, I, I completely agree. And th- and this is a good example of how a movie can be perfect, even if there are some things that you would fix about it. Like looking at the Incredibles now, the 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 CGI, I'm not gonna say it doesn't hold up, but j- there's definitely been advances. It looks like an older um, uh, computer animated movie, mm-hmm. uh, just like um, just like Toy Story does. Like you can tell, like it's come a long way. Mm-hmm. But the story is so strong, and the characters are so iconic. Um, the the thing, the thing that um, most impressed me the first time I saw this film was actually I was living in New York, um, and we um, we went to the movies and saw it, and it was the first time, probably ever, that I went to see a superhero movie, and it didn't treat me like I was a kid. Yeah, like it didn't it didn't talk down like the. He wasn't just like okay, he's strong. He must be dumb. Like no, he's not dumb. He's not dumb at all. He's 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 Mister Incredible. Mm-hmm. Like it makes sense that he would not be stupid. But they that's how they always show. If you're too strong, you must be stupid. Or if you're too um, smart, you must be weak. Well, they always make the dad look stupid and everything. They always make the dad look yeah. stupid. They always, the strong guy looks stupid. They always over-explain, um, or under-explain. And this film nailed it perfectly. Frozone can't use his powers. Why can't he use his powers? There's no moisture in the air. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. And when he got moisture, he could use his powers again. That's the kind of stuff that makes my hair stand on it. That's the kind of, yeah. that's the kind of stuff that gives me a tingle. Hair? Get <laughs> Right. <laughs> Goosebumps tingle, man. <laughs> Well, it's also it's one of those few movies that you can watch with your kids, and they love it as much as you do, and it sticks with them. My my daughter probably hasn't seen it since she was ten or eleven, but we were at Disney World uh, last week, and we went into one of the gift shops, and there was uh, 
a toy or a t-shirt or something that had uh, Frozone on it. And automatically my daughter starts saying, where's my super suit? <laughs> <laughs> I did love that movie. I just love that movie. Yeah. Maybe and, even and, as much as I do. And can I drag us into the gutter for just a second and say I'm grateful to that for giving me a character in Elastigirl that I can have the hots for and not feel like a perv. <laughs> <laughs> An actual milf. Yeah. <laughs> um, sure. And and, and and like like you were saying, um I this is this is another semi criteria. It's not necessary, but it, it 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 helps if the more times you watch, like you see, you notice new things every time you see it. It's like, oh, I didn't get that. Oh, that was really smart that they did that. Oh, that's a reference to that. And especially with a movie like The Incredibles, where it does work on all the on all these levels, you know, when you see it as a kid, you know, maybe you're you're relating more to the dash issue and you know, trying to live up to expectations and, and be your full potential and all that stuff. And then you get a totally different experience as a teenager and a totally different experience as a, as a parent mm-hmm. and a totally yes. different experience as a guy who's past his prime and is now trying to figure out what to do with his life. Right. It works. The movie's, just, the movie's perfect. It's a perfect movie. Have you all seen the, the, the short Jack Jack's night or whatever? The Jack, Jack, Jack attack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. It, it's on the DVD. It's, you know, where they, they, uh, uh, it's, on it's Jack Jack with a babysitter. And <laughs> so like, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's what, what the baby was going through while they were having their adventure. And yeah. I bet that's amazing. <laughs> All right, Virginia, what's the next one on your list? Um, I, well, I kind of went with what John was saying here where like a movie sets out to do something and it accomplishes something by which I mean it terrified the crap out of everyone within <laughs> a mile of a beach, which is Jaws. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good pick. <laughs> um, my aunt showed this movie to me and my sisters when I'm, I'm the oldest. I was seven at the time. And my youngest sister, who was five then, four or five then, still 40 years later, will still not um, will not set foot in, in the ocean. Like Steven Spielberg set out to terrify everyone of sharks. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Plus the music. John Williams is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I saw it when I was a kid and then I went. Years and years and years and years without watching it, because it scared me when I was a kid. And then I watched it again as an adult, or I watched most of it again as an adult, and I was surprised. Kids watching Jaws. <laughs> Do what? I I was kids watching Jaws. I didn't watch Jaws until I was like twelve, maybe. Uh, well, you know, television was a babysitter back then. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I was surprised at how little of the shark you actually see through most of that movie. Yes, but, but it still has so much tension to it, and so so much suspense. So yeah, well, well it was it was an accidental it was malfunctioning. Of that. Yeah, it, the shark kept malfunctioning, so they had to like work this way to still make its presence known and threatening without actually using the shark because it was never working. Right. Yeah. When when I when I think of the shark, quote unquote, the shark, I hear the music more than I see yes, that. Yes. Exactly. You know what? But uh, okay, here, here, my Jaws story 
came out in 73, right? 77. 77? 75. Sorry. 75. Okay. So, so I was 11. Uh, my mother to the day she died denies this, but, uh, <laughs> the, the family decided to go see Jaws. I didn't want to go, but I was, I was told you're not staying home. Then after the, <laughs> okay, my brother and my two stepbrothers at the time, they all, when we got there, they had heard that the, the movie opened with a girl getting naked. So they all went, sat in the front row. <laughs> they came running back to us in the back of the theater really quickly. At that, a, after the first kill, I was like, I'm going to go sit in the lobby. And my mother was like, no, you're not. Oh, that movie traumatized the hell out of me. I had trouble in the freaking bathtub oh, man. after that movie. <laughs> um, and But uh, at first I was like, it, it generated, it made me hate sharks. And I was like, yes, kill all sharks. Sharks suck. Sharks are evil. Um, but then a weird thing happened. As I, as I went on, I started studying sharks. And the more I learned about them, the, the more I realized what amazing creatures they are and how BS the movie was. <laughs> yeah, yeah was exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, now I, I love sharks. I know, you know, I have I have. I wanted to be a marine biologist. If I hadn't like hit the wall in chemistry in high school, I would I would be a marine biologist today. But like I can't math. Um, but you know, sharks are incredible. Uh, great white sharks, especially. I you know I, I Jaws did a lot of damage to the reputation of the great white shark and oh, you know yeah, caused a lot of sharks to be killed unreasonably. And Peter Benchley even came out later and he was like, "Dude, I I so effed up on this," and has. You know, he's. I think he's. He passed away a few years ago, didn't he? Um, you know, he spent a great deal of his life after Char, after Jaws, trying to make up for the fact that he caused the death of a lot, un, the unnecessary hunting of a lot of sharks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, he kind of turned it around. It was the same. You know, with uh, Jaws, made me hate sharks, and then I studied them, and then I, and then I learned to love them. Um, but yeah, Jaws. Jaws is a brilliant film. Everybody, it, it, you know. Roy Scheider, the, the you know it's funny the scene between Roy Scheider and and um, uh, Quint, I uh, forget the name of the actor, where they're they're comparing scars. Oh, Richard, yeah. Is it Richard Dreyfus? No, Dreyfus Dreyfus was was uh, the okay. professor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, anyway, uh, fast forward many years later, I'm I'm doing a show. I'm I'm setting up lights for a show, and we're taking a break. And uh, there's like four of us in the room and one of my friends, for some reason, we started talking about injuries we'd all had. And this was this was like less than a year after I had cut my thumb off. And so I'm talking about my experiences cutting my thumb off with a table saw. You don't you all don't need the details on that. And (laughs) another friend of mine, you know, one of the other guys was like, yeah, I had a car, you know, a motorcycle wreck and half my brain was out of my head. But they put it back and I still don't remember this. And another guy's like, yeah, I fell off a ladder and broke everything in my body. And then this one, the one other guy, the youngest one, who's the the, mat, the, the, the the master electrician in the theory is like, I got a hangnail once. <laughs> <laughs> it just reminded me of that scene so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jaws is, is brilliant. That's a, a great choice. Yeah, sharks sharks get a bad reputation, but it's like we're we're the ones going in the shark's house and then getting all mad when they're like, Here's a tasty snack. Like it's their <laughs> yeah. house. Yeah. yeah. Well and that's the thing, they don't even like to eat people, but just uh, unfortunately sharks don't know if you're yummy until they bite. <laughs> right. Yeah. They 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 mistake people for seals yeah. most of the yeah. time. Right. So yeah. 
because seals are a tasty snack. Well, when, you know, when a 20 foot great white takes a, a test nibble, generally you're not doing too well after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Rick, what's your next one? All right, how far are we going to go? How many are we going to do? Each? I think I think we'll do this round and then maybe some honorable mentions because we probably need to wrap up pretty soon. Okay, because I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to, to do some triage on my list here. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, I will jump forward to to get something a little more more modern, uh, and I'll do the others in, in the honorable mention. Ex Machina was freaking brilliant. Huh. Yeah. Um, you know, it came out a couple of years ago. And it's a, a the all right. I had someone kind of. I don't want to say they ruined it for me, but they were like, "Oh wow, I never saw the twist coming." And so I wasted a lot of time watching the movie trying to guess the twist. There's no twist. It just really. doesn't yeah. end the way every other movie like this ends. So don't worry about a twist. There's no twist. Just enjoy the film. It's a brilliant small it reminds me of the the science fiction short stories i used to read when i was younger yeah um you know the stakes are three people two if you want to get technical about what people mean <laughs> <laughs> you know um it's uh, the you got a, a company that that builds robots and they're eccentric uh CEO, head of the company, creator of the company, played by uh, John John Isaac. No, Oscar Isaacs. Oscar Isaac. John Isaac is, is a discovery. Um, he has a contest, and Domhnall Gleeson wins the contest, and the content and the prize is to go out to this dude's forest compound home thing for a weekend to to enjoy the life of the rich and famous, and. What he is asked to do by the CEO is interview his new robot and essentially see if it can pass for human. That's the premise. That's all I'm going to say about it. But what follows is brilliance. And it uh, it ends in a way that you may or may not anticipate. Uh, but everybody in this film... Uh, uh, Alicia uh, Ven- Ven- I should have looked it up. Ali- Alicia Vikander. Alicia Vendikar. V- Vikander. V- Vikan- Vikander. V- Vendikar. Or Vikander. Is, uh, anyway, she she's the robot. Yeah. And the special effects are beautiful and understated. You know, I spend a lot of time. You know, I I used to be really big into into how into the making of movies. Uh, Star Wars and Indiana Jones and all that stuff. I used to love. How did ILM do this? Um, and I spend a lot of time now going. How did they? Oh, never mind. It was just some dude at a keyboard. Um, not saying that CG is is any less uh, uh, artistic, but it's it, there's no longer any magic to it for me because I know what it is is somebody digitally creating this situation, um, and yet. The, the way the robots are rendered is it's so subtle and it's so brilliant. Um, it's a very, you know, the, the people are messed up. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, it's just, it's kind of like a, a, a 90 minute long Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. 
but I just there there was not a moment in that movie where I wasn't enthralled by the story and by the performances. Uh, and it it just you know it got really hyped. It was this little time. It was kind of like along the, the same lines of Moon, which I would also. I, I almost I was kind of torn between Ex Machina or Moon, um, but Ex Machina just edged out Moon because Moon you kind of saw where it was going, um, but you know it's there's just little low stakes for the world but very high stakes for the people involved. Uh, short story kind of science fiction, really cool concept. I hope they never try to like do a sequel because that would just ruin it. This was just a brilliant little self-contained capsulized wonderful film i agree (laughs) (laughs) all right next (laughs) next? yeah you're next you're next all right um i've got two left on my list um one you probably expect one you might not so i'm gonna go with the one you do not scott pilgrim versus the world really Yes. Okay. I will go back to my initial statement. This film does exactly what it tries to do. It is, it's not, um, again, it's not highbrow. It's not um, perfectly written. It's not perfectly acted. But it fully realizes and creates a world and a visual experience that completely adheres to its own rules. And it explains those rules enough. And if you're familiar with video games, you know, enough, you get it. Like, you get it. I I won't say it's not that every... It's not that every scene is perfect. It's not that... um, I think... There's nothing wrong. Well, I will say there's nothing wrong with it because, again, per the per the initial statement, um, it is the art that it meant to be. Um, it is. I've found it thoroughly entertaining. Um, I watched it again just like a week ago, and it it it's it's great. It holds up. Some of the jokes are hokey, but they're meant to be. Uh, the action, the fights are good. Like it's it, and again, you know, I'm I'm a sucker for um, uh, visuals, and it can't, you know, I'll I'll put that movie up against any movie, as far as um, being a visual <laughs> a visual smorgasbord, um, but not. It is exact. It is as over the top as it intends to be. And in that way, it is perfect. It is a it is a perfect creation. Um, it is a perfect realization of uh, of its intent. I can't argue there. Yeah, yeah. I, I win. <laughs> <laughs> I just okay. The only reason I said really. It, I enjoyed the movie. I was I was kind of forced to watch it. I I didn't watch it on my own of my own volition. Uh, I was at a friend's house for a Fourth of July party, and we were all, like all sat down to watch something. He's like, "We're watching Scott Pilgrim." I'm like, all right, um, thoroughly enjoyable film. I just 
Michael Scott Pilgrim, Michael Sarah's character, was just so unlikable. I just didn't buy that all of these wonderful women were fighting over him. Agreed, <laughs> but I felt like that was part of the story. He was unlikable, or he wasn't unlikable. He was he was he, a douchebag, but yeah. he, <laughs> but he wasn't unlikable because he was he was kind of charming. And he did have a character arc that made him a better person by the end of it. That's that's why I was okay with it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and again, and the fact that he's not he's not a douchebag and the people in the movie don't know it. It's not like he's like uh uh like a Rob Lowe character in in, in, in Wayne's world. Yeah. The the women know he's a douchebag. <laughs> And they called him out on it constantly, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Uh, all right, uh, all right. <laughs> Sean. All right, I'm gonna do my last one. I'll do it real quick because we need to. We probably need to wrap up. Um, and this is a big surprise, but Die Hard. It's uh, <laughs> it's, it's just about, it's just about. The most perfect action movie that I know of, and I'm a little partial because it's also my favorite action movie. But I really do think it's close to perfect. It's, it's funny. It's full of action. It's got some great memorable scenes. It's very quotable. It's got one of the greatest movie villains of all time with Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber. It's just violent enough without turning into like a gory movie like it probably would be if it was made now. Um, and I don't know. Him walking barefoot on the, gra- on the glass still makes me wince. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, what I like about it, one thing that I like about it is that it's it's not overly complicated. You know, a lot of times action movies think that they have to be complicated in order to seem like they're smart. You know, so they have to have like a twist, and you and the the bad guys are stealing this, but what they're really stealing is this other thing that you don't even know exists until halfway through the movie, and and all this other kind of stuff. And this is just these guys break in, they're trying to steal this thing, and and there's this guy, and he's gonna he's gonna try and stop them, and he's by himself, and the only way that he can uh, he can talk to the audience and let them know what he's thinking is now he's on the radio and he's talking to Reginald Bell Johnson, who <laughs> is always. Original the perpetual Johnson, cop. Yeah, he al- he always <laughs> plays a cop <laughs> in everything he's in. But um, yeah, I've brought this movie up a few times, and I I haven't cared for the last couple. <laughs> I haven't cared for the last couple of them, but the first three films are I think are great, and this the first one is uh, is almost perfect. It, it's also been the template for so many movies that's come out since then, like. Uh, Under Siege is Die Hard on a Ship, and Speed is Die Hard on a Bus, you know? <laughs> so, all right, so that and was... Starship Mine is Die Hard on the Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as honorable mentions, I, I won't go into any detail, but uh, Terminator, the first Terminator, uh, the Shawshank Redemption, uh, the Green Mile, being John Malkovich, and Ooh. the Princess Bride. I knew there was something big I was forgetting. That's yeah. <laughs> All right. What, what are your honorable mentions? Um, my honorable mention one was also the princess bride. And then um, keeping with Bruce Willis, Armageddon for the uh, cheesy, what? Patriot, <laughs> cheesy patriotism and save the world with the unlikeliest of people. <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
Bold choice. The cheesy patriotism gets me every time. <laughs> we we the Armageddon is a joke on on Starbase sixty six because. Oh really? Uh, well, one of my co-hosts, Unk, is a former NASA employee who worked on the shuttle. Oh really? And so uh, he's never seen Armageddon. And, it has uh, Jason Isaacs in it, so it does have one redeeming quality. Yeah, but the science in it is so bad. <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> Why are you sending oil drillers to an asteroid? It doesn't make any sense. No. The unlikeliest of heroes. Right. <laughs> okay. Rick, what are your... I'll admit, I, I may have teared up a little bit when, when uh, Bruce Willis like closes the elevator and makes Ben Affleck go back and... Liv Tyler is, is Oh yeah, when she talks to him on the yeah, I would it was done. I never cry at movies, but I would I was done. <laughs> I don't think I could you know, I wasn't a father at the time that movie came out. I don't know if I could cope with that now. That might uh, that might just break me. <laughs> uh my honorable mentions, uh an American werewolf in London, fight me. Um <laughs> we'll be on that one. Go ahead. Okay. Uh LA story. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. As right. as far as uh, romantic comedies, if you've never seen it, you owe it to yourselves to watch it. It's uh, Steve Martin at his finest with the the in between Steve be, between the the super silly Steve of the seventies and the very serious banjo playing Steve. Now this was this was in my opinion his finest work. Uh, this is, I, Roxanne, I would say this. this is- Roxanne was good too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, 2010, the year we made Contact, one of my all-time favorite movies, sequel to 2001, and in my opinion, in a lot of ways, far superior to 2001. All right. John, what are yours? Um, I've got one more actual pick. I'm not going to talk about it, but um, just for the, for the delineation, um, A Christmas Story is, oh. a, is a perfect movie. Yeah, I, I, I would agree yep. with that. Um, <laughs> My honorable mentions that didn't quite make perfect, but uh, almost there. Um, Princess Bride, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the first one, the Gene, the Gene Wilder one, um, The Matrix, and Princess Mononoke. Okay. Hmm. All right. Well, I think that's going to pretty much do it for us tonight. Uh, Rick, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And Virginia. Thank you. And John, as always. Yeah, man. <laughs> and that's, uh, it, as for this show, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict on the Android Store. We're always available at CosmicPotato.com. Make sure that wherever you find us, you leave us a rating and a review. That's going to help us get the show out to more people. And uh, the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network uh, go to CosmicPotato.com. There are other shows other than this one that you can listen to. We've got uh, Captain Game Show, which is John's show. Uh, we've got World War G. We've got Review of Mania. We've got The Prime Direction. All of that is on uh, CosmicPotato.com. And if you go to wherever you normally get your podcasts and you search for Cosmic Potato Podcast Network, there is a feed where all of those shows are on the same feed. So you just subscribe to that, and every time a new episode of any of those shows comes out, it'll be on that feed and you can download it. So 
if you want to contact us, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for the show and you'll you'll find it. Uh, click contact on the website. Email us at mail at cosmicpotato.com. And you can leave us a voicemail or a text message by dialing area code 205-642-8380. And that's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening. We'll be back uh, in a couple weeks with a new episode. So be sure to join us then on Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast, when you might hear John say, uh, you know, I'm a creative type of person. And that includes like writing songs and lyrics. And sometimes I think of a melody first, and sometimes I, sometimes I just think of a rhyme. So I'm going to put it to the listeners to, um, I've, got, I've got a good rhyme, but I don't have the lyrics in between. So guys, write in and, and finish. I thought of a perfect pairing. Breaking laws and panty draws. Oh my god. <laughs> Guys, fill in the blanks. Go for it. Have fun. Have fun, kids. That could be a dangerous combination. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm just the messenger. Clatu, <laughs> Barada, Nikto. <laughs>